Welcome to All Cats Are Gray in the Dark. I'm your host, April Simmons. This podcast contains true cases of graphic violent crimes and other stories of a dark nature. Please be advised that due to the subject matter and violent, sometimes sexual content and obscene language, this podcast is not for children or the faint of heart. Come Are you ready to rumble? it's not right but still it works (laughs) somebody will laugh at it regardless of because it's funny or because we messed it up one of the other somebody will laugh all of the above yeah hello friends out there that are listening today's episode is about walburga dolly ostrich right i don't know it's a german name Osterak. Osterak. I don't know. And then some German person's ears are bleeding after hearing our pronunciation. I'm so um, sorry to everyone that has to hear us pronouncing anything. Yeah. Apologies. Let's get right into the story because this is a long one. In fact, it's so much information that I split it into two episodes. So there you go. This is part one. Walburga Dolly. We're going to call her dolly from here on out because then we don't have to pronounce any of that other crap (laughs) she was born in approximately 1880 in germany or milwaukee wisconsin apparently they weren't clear on that 1960 all right and then good start (laughs) well she was an american homemaker and wife of a wealthy textile manufacturer she gained notoriety for her bizarre 10-year affair with otto sandhuber AKA Otto, AKA Otto Weir, Weir, or AKA Walter Klein, which cultivated in the shooting death of her husband. The story inspired both a feature film, The Bliss of Miss Blossom, and a made-for-TV movie starring Neil Patrick Harris, The Man in the Attic. We are going to have to watch that just for... T- I know it's, yeah. gonna be, it's a made-for-TV. You know it's going to be fucking terrible, but it has Neil Patrick Harris, so, you know. Yeah, that's something, at least. Even by the standards of the day, this was one of the most outrageous slayings of the age, and it fed the front pages for eight years. Dolly was at the center of one of the city's most sensational love affairs, a tale feasted upon by the city's newspapers in the 1920s and 30s when brassy headlines reflected the cutthroat competition. Newspapers described her as a naughty vamp and comely. Her eyes... Oh, yeah. Her eyes and her appetites would bring a long line of men into her life and send one to his death. And I included a picture because I was just like, I don't get it. (laughs) She kind of looks like she could be like an aunt, like one of our crazy aunts or something. She looks like somebody's crazy aunt, but apparently she was, you know. Kinky. Kinky lady. Um. It's just this is a weird case, so I'm going to give you a sexual warning. If you can't handle the kinky stuff, then you probably don't need to listen to this uh, this or our podcast in general, probably. Anyway, because I never shy away from the weird details of stuff, 
uh, there are other podcasts that'll be like, no, we're not talking about that. You know, I'll tell you this story, but I'll leave out all the good bits. Um, and I hesitate to say good bits because I don't mean that this is good stuff. I mean, when intriguing it's, bits, yeah, it's intriguing bits. And it's like, if you're not going to include that stuff, you're limiting the story, I guess you could say. Yeah. Not To me, it's not real. If you're not including the most messed up part of the story, then what's the point of being into true crime and weird stuff in general, you know? Yeah. Anyway, you want to read the next little bit? Yeah. In 1903, Dolly and Fred... Oh, look, it says A-Strike. That's how oh, it's look pronounced. At that. It's pronounced A-Strike. That's pretty yeah. simple. Mm-hmm. That sounds really cool. Like they're superheroes. Mm-hmm. Kinky superheroes. Yeah. Anyway, Dolly and Fred had been married for 15 years as of 1903, since I talked over most of that. The couple resided in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Both were primarily of German descent, like many others in that city, and enjoyed good beer and hearty German foods. It's me too. Um, both were blonde and tended toward plumpness. By most accounts, they were only a few years apart in age, she 36 to his 40, but for all they had in common, possessed quite different temperaments. Fred was a skinflint and an, with an iron will. He owned a factory in which about 60 women worked at manufacturing clothes, primarily aprons. He often went through the factory demanding that each worker work faster and better. Dolly, as forelady, would frequently follow behind him to soothe the wounded egos of the criticized and anxious employees. Apparently, the A-Strikes had marital problems of a decidedly personal nature. Dolly appeared to crave sex quite a bit more frequently than Fred did. That's so true in more marriages than you think. (laughs) Not talking about myself. That was just something I've noticed. Uh, Thus, she began to seek to have her physical needs met in extramarital affairs. They didn't last very long until she met a man who would be special to her for decades. One day, Dolly was at the factory observing the labor of the employees when a sewing machine broke down. Notified of the problem, the Singer Sewing Machine Company sent a repairman to the A-Strike factory. He was Otto Sandhuber, a blue-eyed, shortened, slightly built teenager. Even San Huber himself did not know exactly how old he was. He believed he was either 16 or 17 years old. He thought he was of German-Jewish extraction and had been an orphan. His birth name was likely Weir, but he was adopted into the San Huber family. There are two quite different versions of how the relationship between the teenage repairman and the middle-aged Dolly began. In one, the A-Strike's only child, a teenager named Raymond, had recently died when Dolly first saw Otto. She was immediately attracted... What did that have to do with anything? I don't know. Um, She was immediately attracted to the soft, shy boy man. Yeah. I'm sorry. That should never be put together. Boy man should not be a thing. Man boy sounds better, but I guess he is more boy man than bear man. Pig. <laughs> At least <laughs> she was immediately attracted to the soft, shy, shy boy man. I can't. <laughs> At least in part because he reminded her of the dead son for whom she still deeply grieved. All right, slightly the the last sentence makes slightly more sense, albeit more disturbing. Yeah, maternal feelings may have mixed with her sexual desire for Otto, heightening both. All right. So not long afterwards, she requested that the Singer Sewing Machine Company send Otto to her house to fix the sewing machine in her bedroom. 
It was a pleasant... like the beginning of a really terrible porn. <laughs> really I would, yes, Mr. Repairman, I'd like you to come fix the sewing machine in my bedroom. Who cares about pool boys when you can have a sewing machine repairman boy man? <laughs> <laughs> I just think Sorry. like I think I think saying the the phrase boy man is trying to downplay the fact that that made her a pedophile you know like well i guess i think they're saying it not not well okay i think it's still trying to downplay it but also because dude doesn't even really know like so they i think they're saying boy man more or less to say like he literally could be 19 20 years old he doesn't know yeah they think he's 16 or 17 but still i mean dudes were marrying 12 year olds back then so really he was ancient Um, anyway, (laughs) it was a pleasant autumn day when Otto arrived at the Aestrich's dark yellow frame house. Dolly Aestrich opened the door, heavily perfumed and wearing a silk robe, stockings, and slippers. She led the teenage repairman to the bed where she watched, sitting on her bed as he worked on the machine. I don't know why I feel the need to start reading this more seductively. Oh, no, no, no. I gotta make some porn music in the background while you read it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah. No, terrible. <clears throat> let me get let me get more sexy. Whenever Otto looked up from his work, it seemed that Dolly uh, Dolly's bathroom had come open a little bit more and he could see that she was wearing nothing beneath her robe. I can't. <laughs> this aroused mixed feelings in Otto. He had never been a hit with girls and was a virgin at the time. The sight of so much exposed female flesh embarrassed him even as it aroused him. It just still slips back in. Sorry. At a certain point, Dolly was lying back with much flesh showing and a broad, seductive smile on her long-nosed, pretty face. Otto understood. (laughs) That's just not a great descriptor there. (laughs) Long-nosed, pretty face. I'm going to start calling Justin that. (laughs) Come here, (laughs) long-nosed, pretty face. Um, Otto understood. He left his work to take the older woman in his arms, and the two of them enjoyed an afternoon of passion. Yes. Okay. And then another version of this story gives a far (laughs) more gradual build-up to the affair instead of that porn scenario. In that version, Otto went to their home to fix Dolly's broken sewing machine, but she did not seduce him at that time. Instead, he met and made friends with a very much alive young Raymond. He started visiting their home and Raymond regularly. Then Raymond suddenly became ill and died. Dolly plunged into a terrible grief. Otto came around often to comfort her in her mourning. The two grew closer until romantic and sexual passion blazed. So that's like, this is a different version of the story. I, yeah. I'm guessing one or, one or the other of them had a completely different version of what happened. Um, I'm assuming the instant seduction probably came from him because that just sounds like a dude thing to say. Yeah. And, the, and probably reality is probably somewhere in the middle of yeah. that. Um, for the next three years, the factory four lady and repairman carried on their secret love affair. Sometimes Dolly met Otto at his boarding room and on other occasions they frequented a hotel. Usually Otto visited Dolly when she stayed home from the factory pretending to be ill or her husband was out for the night at a lodge meeting. Despite their affluence, the, was it A-Strikes? The A-Strikes had no servants, and that made it easier for the clandestine lovers. Clandestine, whatever. I can never remember how to pronounce that one. Why not both? Yes. 
Dolly and Otto made a lively pair. Otto claimed that the two once made love no less than eight times in a single ecstasy-filled day. Phew, all right. <laughs> that makes me tired just thinking about it. I'm like, no. Yeah. Mm-mm. However, things could not go on as they were, and definitely a neighbor began noticing the frequency of young Otto's comings and goings and mentioned them to Fred. A suspicious Fred confronted Dolly. As Alan Hine wrote in The Attic Lover, which I, I guess is the book about the yeah. story, she calmly replied that a book salesman had been pestering her, but she had put a stop to his visits. And apparently Fred just took that as like, okay, you know, he bought it. <laughs> he's probably like, whatever's keeping this bitch happy. <laughs> it sounds like he's not a happy dude. Yeah. I say that they don't haven't really given us too much detail other than like he had a different attitude and seemed kind of stern, but yeah, yeah. not giving his woman some sex and he's sounds grumpy. Yeah. And he's yelling at the seamstresses at the plant. Yeah. Or whatever. Okay. Your turn. Yeah. Uh, Dolly told Otto about the nosy neighbor and suggested that having him always coming and going would cause the two of them problems. She proposed that he move into the attic so he could be there all the time. Otto liked this plan. It of course he, he did. He's getting free room and board and sleeping with some lady yeah. <laughs> all the time. All right. It meant he got free room and board. It also meant he could be close to the woman he loved at all times. He would have to quit his work as a repairman, but he didn't care. The young man had long nursed a dream of being a writer, and this arrangement would give him the time he needed to work on that still. Oh my god, is he the author? It's a pen name. It's him. No, he he's like ends up murdered, right? <laughs> we'll find out. The attic was cleaned up and furnished with an oil lamp, a comfortable mattress, and a chamber pot. Otto brought reading material as well as pencil and paper into his new home. During the day, Otto did household chores, sweeping floors, dusting, washing dishes, peeling vegetables, and performing various domestic duties. Wouldn't Fred notice, like, man, she's doing really good lately. How'd she get all this done? I know, (laughs) know? right? It'd be like me with my terrible housekeeping. I think my husband would know if he came home and the whole house was clean that something is off here. Like, yeah. he would know something was off if my house was clean, because I'm not a good housekeeper at all. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On nights when the A-Strikes went out as a couple, or Fred went out by himself, Otto could leave his perda for a bit of evening exercise. Dolly put a padlock on the door to the attic and carried the key herself so Fred would not be able to slip up there. Her husband asked about the pod- padlock, and she easily replies, I want to keep my furs in a safe place. So fancy. Of course, Dolly had duties at the factory and was not home most days. However, she pretended to be ill often enough that Otto and she could enjoy their relationship. Yeah. There was a distinct disadvantage to this arrangement. Otto was now living directly above his lover and her husband. He needed to be extra careful when he moved around lest he accidentally alert Fred to his presence. But the position of the attic meant that Otto could hear the sounds of the woman he adored making love with her husband. While having sex, Dolly urged Fred not to be so noisy. He asked why, and she said, you never know who might hear us, and it would be embarrassing. And the husband says, who the hell can hear us? And she said, oh, no, oh, nobody, I guess. I love that she's trying to get him to stop being noisy during sex, and he's her husband. Yeah, like, that's I don't, funny. It's just, yeah. 
According to Alan Hahn, after one such night of marital passion, a jealous Otto confronted Dolly. She reminded him that she could not leave her husband since she had no saleable skills and no funds of her own. She had to stay married, and that meant she had to have sex with Fred. It's like, I'm so sorry I have to have sex with my husband. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, it sounded like Fred didn't really care about sex. So is she doing it so he doesn't get suspicious because she usually wants sex? Or is is, is she just having the occasional sex when he does want it? Like, yeah. this already has a lot of details, but I need more. Yeah. Um, so he eventually agreed that he would not harass her about her marital lovemaking. About a year passed when Fred became troubled by odd noises. He and his wife were in bed when he thought he heard something like a man clearing his throat. Yeah, that would freak me. <laughs> I can stop for a second. Because, yeah, if I heard what sounded like somebody clearing their throat and my husband, but it's coming from somewhere else and my husband's in bed next to me. Yeah, that like, I don't know that. That would freak me out. Like, yeah. Um, he said, what was that? And she said, you're imagining things. Go Go to sleep. Fred settled back against the covers of his bed next to his wife, suddenly bolted upright. I wasn't imagining that, he said. You certainly are imagining things, Dolly said in exasperation. It's only a rat or a mouse. If you want to know something, you're drinking too much. I said that. Gaslighting. Wrong, wrong attitude. If you want to know something, you're drinking too much. Like, there you go. There's more yeah. of a, that, that's probably more of the tone. <laughs> Theatrical. Bravo. Yes. <laughs> when the... <laughs> A strikes were going out at night. Dolly made it a regular practice to release the trap door to the attic. Just before leaving, Otto would listen for the sound of the couple closing their front door. As soon as he heard that, he would run down the stairs and gorge himself on the hearty German food all three of them love. Rye bread, cheese, liverwurst, bologna, and anything else edible that happened to be in the house. Was he just I not allowed that. food to eat? When, did she not bring him food? <laughs> I don't know, man. That sounds terrible. I would be crying up there if I was trapped in an attic with no food. Like I, mm -mm. Fred was sometimes baffled when he looked at the food that had been left over from the previous day. He sat down at the table with his wife, and when he saw the small size of the roast before him, asked Dolly what happened to the meat. She managed to convince him that he had eaten it the night before when he had been drunk. And that explanation <laughs> seemed to satisfy him. How really, how often did he drink? Like, and how much? Like, was he an alcoholic or is she just really good at gaslighting? Mm -hmm. She's like, you're, you just imagine things, you're drunk. Yeah. Mm. All right. Although Otto lived an isolated life in confinement with no one but Dolly for company, in his imagination, he freely roamed the balmy South Seas where he enjoyed colorful adventures. He also got his fantasies down on paper while in his attic home. He would hand these sto short stories to his married middle-aged girlfriend who would type them up when she had time and Fred was not around. She mailed them to pulp magazines using a P.O. box for the correspondence. Like most writers, in his, his first efforts were greeted with dispiriting form rejection slips. But Otto was tenacious and eventually a story of his was published in a little magazine. He began publishing fairly regularly to his own joy and that of his helpful sweetheart. Locked you in an attic, helpful sweetheart. Just, yeah. just saying. I just feel like, what if he never got published and she was just telling him they got accepted? Oh God! <laughs> she was rich. She may have just been giving him money and telling him that it came from that. Yeah. 
I, maybe she gave him copies of the little magazines yeah, or pamphlets maybe. or something. It just, I, it's something weird about that. Like, I don't know. Yeah. One evening, wrote Alan Hine, Fred was pottering in his garden and happened to look up right at the window in his attic. Dolly had repeatedly warned Otto not to go near that window, but he had disobeyed this once. And the two men may have looked directly at each other for just a split second before a panicked Otto pulled back. God damn it, Fred yelled as he raced into his home. I knew somebody was up in that attic. I just saw something moving at the window. All right, Dolly said. I'll go up to the attic and investigate. I'll go up, her husband said. No, I'll go up, Dolly repeated. <laughs> when, she came down, <laughs> when she came down, she expressed concern for her husband's mental condition. Fred, you've been working too hard at the factory, she said in a caring voice. You're seeing things. Promise me you'll go to the doctor. Fred told his wife that he would see a physician about his curious symptoms. He did not want to give her more cause for worry. Go to the doctor, he did. Oh, I can't uh, take things a little easier. The physician advised and wrote out a prescription for a tranquilizer. <laughs> I'm just like, just yeah, yeah, I know. This whole story's whack, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, though, because like she's just getting extra help from the doctor now. It's like, knock the bitch out with some tranquilizer and go sex up your attic lover, you know, like. Yeah. Jeez. And then if he hears something, then she'll just play it off again and be like, you're yeah. crazy. Get some more tranquilizer. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, in 1910, writer and lover Otto had been lived in the A-Strike attic for about three years. The couple decided to move and went to check into houses. Dolly would only agree to a home with a convenient attic. She may have told Fred she wanted a secure place for her beloved furs. Oh, Jesus. Her and her furs. Yeah. It's like, did she even really have that many furs? Like, we never really explained, were there really some furs in the attic? I don't know. In the new residence, Otto was not directly above the A-Strike's bedroom, so he did not have to overhear the couple in their most intimate moments. Fred also did not hear Otto clearing his throat or coughing. Hey. (laughs) The A-Strike marriage continued to deteriorate. Fred was drinking all the time. Well, there you go. He was, yeah. but he may have started drinking because of all this crazy shit going yeah. on in the house. Um, I mean, I guess it, usually when it comes to affairs, usually people have an instinct about that sort of thing. He may have yeah. thought there's something going on, but he had no official proof that something was going on. And yeah. obviously, nobody would automatically assume that they have somebody living in their attic. But he may have at least known something was going on with her. You know? Yeah. I feel like that's possible. He was by turns silent and depressed or loud and argumentative. Probably the latter when he was drinking. That's usually how it works, right? Yeah. However, the seven-year-old love affair between Dolly and Otto was still going strong. At approximately 24, Otto was sexually vigorous. Good to know. And he and Dolly were deeply in love. He was also enjoying some success as a writer, pinning stories that appeared in various pulps and that earned him and Dolly a few extra dollars. In 1913, the the family moved again, and Otto took up residence in a fresh attic, bringing his little light, his cot, and his ch- and a chamber pot. Ugh. I don't know the idea of a chamber pot in any situation is so good. Yeah. The years passed with Fred becoming ever more of a grouch, and his wife finding regular solace in her loving attic man. 
Yeah. I'm hearing Magic Man by heart in my head, but Attic Man. He's an Attic Man. <laughs> He's an Attic Man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, This next part of the story is freaking hilarious. You're going to love this. Oh, God. One late evening in 1918, a a confrontation occurred. A-strikes were out at a German beer party. Friend Dolly got into an argument and Fred went home in a huff, leaving his wife behind. The aging factory owner strolled into his kitchen only to find a short, slim, very pale 32-year-old man seated at at the table, placidly enjoying a nice leg of lamb. What the hell are you doing here in my house? An enraged Fred exclaimed as he grabbed Otto by the shoulders. Taken by surprise, Otto weakly replied, I'm hungry, sir. (laughs) So So you're the one who's been eating all my meat. I don't don't know why he's British now. No, it sounds like the giant from Jack and the Beanstalk or something. (laughs) Are you the one that's been eating all my meat? (laughs) (laughs) It's it's making me think of the episode the the empty child doctor dances from Doctor Who when all the kids during the bombs, yeah, the the air raids would like eat people's foods, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, so you're the ones been eating all my meat. The homeowner shouted. <laughs> y- 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 yes, sir. <laughs> the younger man stuttered. I don't know. I I'm in a good mood today. I guess. Um, little suspecting that he was dealing with an occupant of his own house. <laughs> well, who would? Fred tossed the much smaller man onto the street. When Dolly came home from the party, her husband related the strange story of the man eating in their kitchen. Fred had not been imagining these things after all, he said. This rascal had somehow been sneaking into their house to forage through their food. Wouldn't he, like, notice, like, this happened three houses ago. (laughs) And now it's happening here. Hmm. How odd. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Otto spent an uncomfortable night sleeping out in the open. (laughs) Boo-hoo. After his unceremonious expulsion, Otto met up with Dolly. What should they do now, he wondered. Go to Los Angeles, Dolly said. I'll give you the money from your stories. Well, that's random. Just go to L.A. Let's go to L.A. You let me worry about the rest. Um, He followed her advice. The two communicated through the post office box that had already been set up for sending and receiving Otto's literary efforts. Otto got a job as a porter in in an apartment complex. He did not particularly care for Los Angeles after spending so many years of his life in an attic. Coming out only at night, the sunshine struck him with an unpleasant harshness. I, I feel well, no joke. Yeah. Um, in the meantime, Dolly was working on her husband, telling him that they ought to move to Los Angeles. He was eventually convinced. The couple <laughs> stayed in a Los Angeles hotel while looking for a house to buy. It was not easy to find one acceptable to, to Dolly because few California homes had <laughs> it. While um. the A strikes. Looked for a home, Dolly and Otto commenced a more conventional sort of dalliance. They met in various cheap hotels for thrists. But wait, like, okay, if you're looking in L.A., why, like, surely there's houses you could buy that actually have, like, fur rooms that are, like, temperature controlled. She could just get a lock for a room and at least Otto wouldn't have to live in an attic anymore. Yeah, I don't know. Um, Or just get him a nice walk-in closet to live in. She can. Yeah, no joke. Have his and hers closets, and she just and what, what, a, like husband of that time period would give a shit what's in the woman's closet, honestly. Right, exactly. Um, 
unless he's a crossdresser. But that's a whole different story for another time. Dad? But eventually Dolly found a large, nice home with an attic on North St. Andrew's Place in an affluent area. The couple set up housekeeping and Otto moved into the attic. Later, he would say that he was willing to live cooped up in attics in order to be near the only person in the entire world who cared whether Otto lived or died. Well, you didn't really give the rest of the world much of a chance by immediately... Yeah, shacking up with a married lady. Yeah. I think he's got like, what is it, Stockholm Syndrome or whatever? Like, just some sort of really weird mix of sexual control and... Well, again, she was his she, first, so I mean, yeah, she's really manipulative anyway. Yeah, Whew, just yeah. He um, well, it went both ways too because I didn't include this in here because I didn't feel like it was necessary, but I'll go ahead and tell y'all anyway. Like when I was reading up on this, like he admitted, like that she, you know, she t- controlled him by using her emotion and stuff, and he, if he wanted his way, he would stop eating. So to manipulate her back or get her back for the stuff she was doing to him, he would manipulate her by like he would lock himself up there and not come down and stop eating. That's crazy. So I I just thought that was interesting. I guess that's equally crazy assholes, I guess. Yeah. So she did manipulate him and control him, but he found ways to get back at her basically. Yeah. Um, he resumed his life of making love to Dolly and doing housework during the day. God, I need I need one of those. Come to think of like I think my husband <laughs> probably if I could keep my house clean, I think my husband would actually be okay with that. He would just be like, okay, whatever. Yeah. Um, have your attic boy, man. Yes, have your attic boy as long as he keeps the house decent. Attic boy man. <laughs> attic boy man. No, I don't want a boy man. I want a man man. <laughs> a man man. Um. At night, he continued to read. And, oh, wait. It, since it was Prohibition, the couple made bathtub gin. I'm like, did Ooh. y'all sell that or did you just drink it yourself? I don't. That probably dude just needed his own supply. Yeah. At night, he continued to read and write short, short stories that she would type up and send off to publishers. Unlike Otto, Fred adored Los Angeles. The sunny weather had a marvelous effect on him and he felt a renewed vigor. Although he had been contemplating retirement before the move, he decided he wanted to return to the working world and purchased the new factory and spent his days running the place. So we, well, this is the end of part one, and we haven't even made it to the crime yet, but tell me this is not an interesting story, though. I mean, yeah. I mean, it's written really well, if anything. I'm I'm intrigued. I want to... I want to know what happened. I actually, I don't know if you said it, but I don't even know who gets murdered in all of this. <laughs> Maybe well, you said it. And I, just I think- said it up front. She kills her. The Well, the husband ends up dead. Now, what, who actually did it, I'm not. Yeah. I guess it depends on whose version of the story you want to believe. But yeah. Um, but yeah, we're going to get to that next time, guys. We're going to get to the actual crime and trial and all the messed up stuff here and there in between. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so I guess we're gonna do our list for this week. <laughs> this week it's cartoons. So if you're not interested in that, bye bye. Skip to the next part. Next week. Yeah. Sometime. Whenever you're listening. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So I think I went first last time. So your turn. Your number five. Okay. Number five. 
Oh, and this is top five cartoons. Mm-hmm. Uh, number five is South Park. I mean, I stopped really watching it after the first couple of seasons. And isn't it still on? Like, I don't even know. (laughs) There's so many. Uh, But it was it was freaking hilarious when it came out. And I feel like it had like a good start to how a lot of cartoons got developed. It it was good stuff. Also, I just love Trey Parker and Matt Stone. I love it too, but I did not include it in this list because honestly, I didn't even think about it. But I used to. Number five for you. (laughs) Yeah. But I used to really be into it. But yeah. I, you know, Mecca Streisand. Yeah, you know, the. I think my favorite's probably the Jennifer Lopez hand puppet. Yeah, Taco <laughs> Flavor Kisses. Yeah, I don't know. But the my my friend Derek had. I just wanted to bring this up. My friend Derek had the VHSs of the first few episodes, and I swear to God, we watched those first couple of episodes like eight million times. I know. <laughs> so good. Anyway, number five for me is my throwback gym. Jim is truly outrageous. It's truly, truly, truly outrageous. I still love Jim. I don't care. <laughs> it's a rock band and she has pink hair. I during the eighties that was like it for me. That's like yeah. that's who I'm gonna grow up to be. I'm gonna have pink hair and be in a band. <laughs> yeah. Number four for you. Ren and Stampy. Oh, dang. I forgot all the Nick cartoons. Damn. I'm just, I'm just <laughs> I know. I know. I'm forgetting so many things that I loved, but I just don't, I don't really watch a lot of cartoons anymore. And even when the family, like, unless it's like Pixar, I'm not going to watch shit. Mm-hmm. Pixar, or like Ghibli. That's, <laughs> that's like the only animated stuff I really get around to watching. Yeah. Four Number for four. Me. Is also a nostalgia one, She-Ra. Most of mine are nostalgia, except for the top two spots, pretty much. All of mine are going to be nostalgia because I just don't watch them. (laughs) Number three for me Mm -hmm. is DuckTales. (laughs) Everybody loves DuckTales. And didn't you send me that thing the other day where people in other countries call millennials the ducktales generation or yeah. something. something like that it's so it's so fitting. so fitting yeah my husband's that same era and he's he's a millennial too and i'm like yes i just showed it to him and i said yes and he was like yes <laughs> <laughs> he agreed wholeheartedly um yeah. number three for me is kid video which i've mentioned probably 500 million times because nobody ever here has nobody ever remembers it but it was like the beginning of the show is a real life band. They turned into a cartoon. They entered like the cartoon world or whatever. And it was music. There was music in like every episode. They had like little music videos and stuff that went along with, with it. And I don't know. I just, something about the combination of cartoon and rock music just really yeah. did something for me as a kid, I guess. Number two for you. Where was I? There I am. Batman. The animated series that was on in the 90s. Anything I'm talking about is the 90s. Yes. Um, I never remember which one that is because there's so many different animated Batman series. But yeah. I just remember, like, that's where my love of, like, Harley Quinn came along. Um, and I, yeah, good stuff. Yes. <laughs> Number two for you. Adventure Time. Finally, not really a retro one. 
Yeah, I haven't watched it, and a lot of people shame me for it. I still recommend, for you, I recommend Steven Universe over Adventure Time, because I've watched both all the way through. Well, yeah, everybody tells me Steven Universe, Rick and Morty, Adventure Time. I don't think you will like Rick and Morty. I really Hmm. honestly don't. Um, I mean, it's kind of like a ripoff of all the time travel stuff, but like, I just, it's more of a gross humor type of thing. So I don't know if you would necessarily like that or not. Um, But I would say out of those, I would say Steven Universe for you because the soundtrack is just phenomenal. (laughs) And then there's, I mean, the storyline's good too, but the, the overall soundtrack is just amazing. Yeah. Did you do your number two? Yeah, that was Adventure Time. (laughs) Okay. Number one for me is the X-Men animated series from the 90s. Yes, I knew that was coming. Yeah. Once you said the Batman one, I was like, yeah, I know which one's going to be number one. (laughs) Yeah. And I had, you still have your poster that I bought you back then. Yeah, it is in tatters. Yeah. But I keep it. I always look for a new copy all the time. Yeah. Um... And number, number one, one is Steven you. Universe for me. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a good story. You have to make it past the first few episodes to where you get some character development. Because Steven is really kind of annoying little bratty kid when you <laughs> when it first starts. Yeah. First few episodes. Because, you know, my husband started watching it and he was just like, you have to watch the show. And I watched the first few episodes and I'm like, dear God, make it stop. I hate this kid. I was literally yeah. like, I hate this fucking kid. But he does go through character development. And there's tear-jerking moments in the show. Like, I like I can't tell you how many times I've cried watching that fucking stupid-ass cartoon. <laughs> like, it's kind of ridiculous. I love it. It has a lot of character development. And, and the LGBTQ plus issues are in there. And I kind of dig the fact that they kind of sneak that shit in on you. Yeah. But it's not in a sexual way. It's in a very innocent way, you know? Yeah. So I kind of like that. Okay. Honorable mentions. I'm just going to blow through them because everybody should know them. Daria, Beavis and Butthead, Tiny Toons, Family Guy, Gargoyles, Darkwing Duck, and the Spider-Man series from the 90s. Oh, mine's, <laughs> mine's Smurf, Chipmunks, D&D, Gummy Bears, and all the Nickelodeon cartoons, pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. all this week. We are at yeah. 37 minutes, so maybe about 40 by the time we put in the ad stuff. Yeah. Yay. Good job, Yay. us. Yay. And scene. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>